0: Welcome to the UQ Leaders Podcast. On this podcast, you will listen to a very special episode recorded on the 19th of November for Women's Entrepreneurship Day. You'll listen to six amazing women in that panel that share their views on entrepreneurship and women's leadership. They'll talk about what is to celebrate and what is yet to achieve. We hope you enjoy it.
1: Cool. Hello,
2: everybody. Welcome. We're just going to wait a minute or two as a couple of people are joining because we've um, had lots of sign-ups for today, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great one hour. I just know it. <laughs> so thanks for taking the time um, to jump on this this afternoon. All important things, very important things we will be talking about. Women in entrepreneurship, we are taking over the world. <laughs> But to kick us off, um, I wanted to welcome Dr Jessica Gallagher, who is the Pro Vice-Chancellor for Global Engagement and Entrepreneurship for the University of Queensland. And she's going to do an official welcome um, for this event this afternoon.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. Um, It is really wonderful to have you as our MC for the event. Thank you so much for joining us and making time. Um, Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us to celebrate Women's Entrepreneurship Day. Uh, For those of you online that I haven't met, as Sam said, my name is Jess Gallagher, and I do have the longest position title in the world. I am the Pro Vice Chancellor of Global Engagement and Entrepreneurship at the University of Queensland. Before we begin, I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners and their custodianship of the lands where UQ stands, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging who continue cultural and spiritual connections to country. We recognize the important role that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people continue to play within our community and their valuable contributions to Australian and global society. I'd like to acknowledge the many UQ colleagues, students, panelists and attendees from all across the country and a couple from across the globe who are joining us today in person or online. As Sam said, this event is about empowering, supporting, and celebrating the women innovators and entrepreneurs in our community. Our goal is to ignite a network of women leaders to create opportunities and provide a platform to share their journey, their challenges, and to engage with like-minded individuals at different stages of the entrepreneurial (coughs) life cycle. So today, as you all know, is Women's Entrepreneurship Day. Uh, Why is this day so important to us? Australian universities have many of the key ingredients for supporting a richer, more inclusive, national innovation and entrepreneurship ecosystem. They are built on cultures of discovery, bring some of the brightest minds from around the world together and provide a safe environment for challenging assumptions, testing new ideas and accessing multidisciplinary perspectives. At the University of Queensland, we believe in a level playing field for all entrepreneurs to create stronger communities close the opportunity gap and to scale solutions to some of the world's most pressing problems. We support all engineers, engineers, we support them. We support all entrepreneurs to forge new paths through either starting their own enterprise or innovating within an existing one. That's why increasing the number of female students involved in entrepreneurship has been a key aspect of the university's broader strategy. In 2018, UQ introduced leaders a program run by UQ Ventures that seeks to empower female students to be future change makers. Lead has grown from an initial cohort of 140 in 2018 to more than 360 participating this year. This shows that there is a clear demand from our female students to gain the skills and networks to support them to build their entrepreneurial mindsets and leadership aspirations. Expanding programs and achieving 50-50 balances are important but seeing and hearing examples of others who have walked the path ahead are critical. I can vouch that significant effort has gone into improving ratios of guest speakers and mentors at UQ, uh, which at the moment sit around 30% female. The target for us, of course, is 50% by 2021, uh, 2022, and we certainly hope to get there sooner. Raising the profile of female founders and successful female entrepreneurs is one way to show women that this is possible. Empowering women also makes good economic sense. Developing new products and technologies, tackling social problems and driving business growth all require an entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystem. One that nurtures bold ideas and has the right programs and support measures in place to increase participation and contribution from women. If we did support women to reach their full economic potential and join the workforce in a meaningful way, the Australian economy alone could grow by about $25 billion. However, changing the dial requires all components of the ecosystem to work together, innovative government programs and policies, support from industry, and a vibrant innovation and entrepreneurship culture within our universities. Today, we're going to take a deeper look into some of the challenges that female entrepreneurs have had to overcome, how the narrative is changing and what we can do as founders, educators, businesses to create a level playing field and maximize the number of inspirational women involved in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. There are two elements to the event today, an online panel and live Q and A where leaders and other female identifying students who participated in UQ's Ventures programs will be joined by panel members um, in face-to-face for live Q&A and networking. UQ Ventures strives to foster a sense of community amongst female identifying founders, entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs. Through raising the profile of women in entrepreneurship and creating opportunities for female entrepreneurs, we aim to inspire more women to create change we have a lot to look forward to this afternoon. So, without further ado, uh, I would like to invite our panelists to join us, along with our MC Sam Yockel, who's our Entrepreneur in Residence at UQ Ventures. Back to you, Sam. Thanks so much.
2: No worries. Thanks so much, Jess. It's all very exciting. I feel excited when I hear you say all those things. I'm like, yes, this is happening. Um, welcome everybody uh, to the next hour of some great panel discussions and a really good Q and A. The um, kind of the title of this event is Mind the Gap, Breaking Down Gender Barriers in Entrepreneurship. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And uh, we have four panelists alongside of Jess that um, will be contributing to our conversation today. And the first one of those is um, Anne-Marie Burkle, the Director and Venture Partner at One Ventures. Welcome, Anne-Marie. It's great to have you here. We also have Sabrina Chikori. I'm sorry if I do pronounce people's names wrong. Um, founder of Brisbane Tool Library. It's great to have you here too, Sabrina. Um, you do some amazing work. Rachel Dag. That's it. Yes. <laughs> it's always a win when you get it right. Um, no, UQ to
3: do with that one.
2: <laughs> well, I'll. Yeah. Good day today. <laughs> um, UQ's chief, chief student entrepreneur and Holly Tattersall, founder and CEO of Women in Digital who's been doing lots of great things with women uh, around Brisbane or around Australia for a long time. So welcome ladies, um, thanks for joining us today and I'm going to start by just asking some questions. So I've got a few different questions here for the panelists and we'll have a bit of a discussion and um, once we get through those we know some of you submitted some questions too so we might get to those at the end of our conversation. So. I'm throwing this one out to everybody. Um, so everyone on the panel, you are welcome to jump in um, on this one to share your answer. But what is the personal and/or professional achievement that you feel most proud of?
1: Um, I can start. I just graduated um, a week ago. I finished my assessment for my undergrad in a Bachelor of Health Science, and um, I'm so immensely proud of myself for that. Um, I think back to you know the little girl in high school who did not do maths or science and came into this degree with, with literally not, no understanding. Um, and yeah, three years later I have I'm a scientist, so that's probably um, yeah, the, the best thing that I've done for myself.
2: That's awesome.
1: Well, well done, done Rachel. Rachel. Thank you.
2: What about you, Holly? What's one of the things you're most proud of today?
4: Um, Again, it's fairly recent. Um, We've just come off the back of running the third annual Women in Digital Awards. So I'd say that's probably the the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, We started the event to champion more women because we believe that you can't be what you can't see. Um, So when you see somebody on the podium, they've won an award close to tears. And, you know, it's also meaningful to um, give women the opportunity to share their stories and inspire other young women. Um, I'd say that's definitely, um, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of too. So I'll I'll step in next. I think my
3: 31-year-old son would like me to say bringing him into the world, but I'm going to move out of the personal (laughs) one. I think, you know, our um, venture capital fund has now got about $500 million in funds under management. So as a co-founder, I'm very proud of that. But I'm more proud of the fact that it's a very diverse firm. I mean, we think it's, at least Australia's most diverse venture capital firm, probably one of the world's. Um, two out of three of the founders were women, uh, half of our investment team are women. Uh, we have a number of our portfolio companies a very high percentage relative to other firms that are founded by and run by women. Um, most of our staff have got some element of diversity, whether it's gender, um, nationality, um, their education, their experience, their age, And we work really hard to um, reward diversity by giving people a voice in our firm, no matter what their role um, or seniority or or age or background. Um, So I think that's something that I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. Oh, you should be incredibly proud, anne That's amazing.
4: That's
5: awesome. Phenomenal. Well, what about you, Sabrina? Hi, everyone. I would like... First of all, to thank all all the men that are, uh, you know, joined this conversation because I feel that, you know, the women gaps and challenges are a patriarchal problems so of men doing that step is really a, a form of respect. So thanks for being here. Um, I think that along the journey, what I'm most proud of is the fact that I learned how to take women as example and to collaborate with other women. You know, we grow up with uh, this system of beliefs with you know superhero men every figure leading society is a man so actually um being you know able to look around you and collaborate in all level in all senses with within the business and out of business is a really important thing and um you know with uh, the brisbane tool library i learned so much from the other women working with me so for me having that acceptance or learning from other women is probably a big step that i did in my journey
2: that's awesome! Thanks, Sabrina. All right, so this question is going to Anne Marie and Rachel. Um, women entrepreneurs achieve amazing things every day, but why do you think it's important to stop and celebrate Women's Entrepreneurship Day today?
3: Would you like to start, Rachel, or would you like me to? You can go in. Okay. Well, look, I think it's it's really important to celebrate the achievements of women entrepreneurs and so I I want to start off on a positive note and say you know how much I admire all of you in the audience and on the panel who have taken that entrepreneurial journey and and you know wish you all the best in in being successful but I think it's also a day when we um, have to acknowledge that there's still a big gap in terms of equality for female entrepreneurs and Many of my comments will come from the background of being an investor in um, technology companies in both healthcare and and other areas of technology. And you know, there's some really startling statistics. Um, in the US, less than 3% of venture capital goes to all-female founded companies, um, and only something like 11 or 12% goes to companies that have got a female founder or a a female co-founder or a female member of their founding team so you know if you can't fund your startup it makes it awfully hard to be a, a runaway success access to capitalism a problem for women entrepreneurs we also still see that um many women are, are funding their own companies themselves out of their, their hip pocket and that that uh stand amount of most capital means that it's the limitation on their growth so i think when we're, when we're reflecting on the achievements of female entrepreneurs, we also have to look at gaps like the funding gap, like access to mentorship, access to networks, um, and access to uh, the sorts of things that make um, male entrepreneurs often successful because they have access to all of those resources, and this is a day when we can acknowledge those gaps and see what we can do to address them, which is where this conversation will head later in the hour.
2: Yeah. That's
1: awesome, Anne-Marie, thank you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Anne-Marie. But on the back of that, you know, I think we need to acknowledge where we are now and how far we've come. I think back to 10 years ago, and I don't think I could name a female founder, um, and there was very minimal female leaders um, out there. And now I look at founders like Melanie Perkins, um, Leanne Kemp-Craig, I see you're on the call, which is great. Um, and Greta Van Reel, and you know, that's just in Australia alone. So women have made massive strides in what has historically been such a male preserve. And I think by dwelling on negatives and not sort of having this time to celebrate, we really risk missing this opportunity to kind of acknowledge how far we've come. And I think if we talk too much about the negatives, we can really easily feed a narrative that entrepreneurship is just simply harder for women than it is for men. And I think that inadvertently can stop women from coming into the space. So I think let's celebrate the progress. Um, And I'll quote the article that was just released by Dr. Gallagher and Josie today. Um, We know that female startups have lower failure rates. We know female led startups produce more capital efficient companies and they achieve venture level returns. So that is something to celebrate.
2: Absolutely, yes. You want to be backing female founders if you look at the data. (laughs)
1: Absolutely.
2: I know, I'm like, it's the best kept secret ever. What are they thinking? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, All right, Holly and Sabrina. If you were to choose one thing you are most happy about women entrepreneurs achieving to this day, what would it be?
5: I think... I don't have, you know, one person that I look at as an example, but I, I'm obviously know. Proud of the achievement of all the women that you know came before us that fought. I think you know for the political and the civil rights that you know uh, gave us the freedom to be here today, you know, um, and to talk about it. And I was actually reflect uh, reflecting on why this day is important. And uh, and as I shared on some of my social media, I'm very skeptical usually about special days, but I can see that beyond the you know special days, um, the entrepreneurs here in the panel and the people that, that are listening. Uh, um, at us they're actually building a political movement right because the thing is in order to uh, create a space where women you know can uh, create businesses explore new venture create and fail projects and try out we need to free you know women from the burden of the patriarchal society so that burden is you know uh, presented as a salary gap as an educational gap as a responsibility um, gap you know. It, parental responsibility and others. So I feel that, you know, as uh, entrepreneurs, we don't have just our own objective, you know, to maintain and uh, lead our business, but the strengths of probably this day and of this discussion and actually creating that political movement that balance out society so that we can create the platform for other women.
2: Hmm.
4: Awesome. Thanks, Sabrina. Um, Yeah, so... um, Recently with the awards, um, I'm, I had some videos submitted and one of them was from Sarah Pearson. So it's just kind of inspired by her um, comments and that. But I think what women have uh, recently done is achieved a different mindset. Um, so sort of leaning into their feminine differences as a point of advantage as opposed to disadvantage. Um, you know, she commented and I definitely agree that there's a real sense that women need to um, be more masculine or aggressive to get ahead um, in years gone by. And now we're seeing women be fearlessly female um, and embrace their traits such as empathy and kindness um, to help them build successful businesses and teams. I think you know, if a um, if a leader has empathy, they understand their people. They're able to kind of get the best out of them and, and build incredible, incredibly successful businesses um, and teams.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think yes, that is what excites me as well. Like when you look at some of the waves of leadership and how they're talking about companies needing to be led like there is definitely a shift into a different way of leading that you know I think women naturally fall into a bit easier maybe maybe not but yeah I can definitely see that the ways of the past of you know yeah.
4: commanding control uh, yeah sort of, um, yeah and I think you know that's sort of driven by millennials as well who, yeah absolutely yeah. talent that are like no actually i really want to believe in the company that i work for i want to respect my boss and so i think you know naturally leaders need to respond to those um, people that they're um hoping to attract to their business
2: yeah yeah awesome well thank you everybody um next question is directed at rachel uh what do you think are the main challenges for female entrepreneurs starting up
1: self-doubt And limiting beliefs, 100%. Um, I honestly think our own minds get in our way and we as females, more often than not, we tend to lack this sense of confidence that men seem to innately have Um, and that's just generally. I would ask a guy, oh, that's a great idea, you know, that looks like it has legs, why don't you commercialise it? And it will almost inflate him um, more likely than not, in my experience speaking to females, it, they'll almost start picking reasons why they shouldn't do it. Um, and to be honest, like I'm sick of having this conversation about gender specific barriers and entrepreneurship. And I just genuinely want to see change, which is why I came into this position. So I think, you know, this these beliefs and this self doubt, this comes from within. And women need to start practicing, or keep practicing, putting themselves out there and scaring themselves and defying their own parameters that they set around themselves. Um, you, you know, you look at successful women and the people on this call, and they didn't just sit back and wait for things to kind of fall in their lap. They went out there and they fought for it. And whether that was, you know, fighting for a yes when they kept getting no's or fighting for a say in a boardroom. You know, they didn't just accept their fate and say, oh, well, that's it. It's a failure. I'll just step back. Um, so I think we need to acknowledge sometimes that we really need to push forward um, and it's not its not easy. Good things, you know, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Um, and whether you're a man or a woman, to be a successful founder, you have to be ready to shatter barriers and you have to be ready to look beyond the status quo. Mm, absolutely.
2: And I'll just say something because when I... In my parent TV journey, um, there was this interesting point where a guy called Steve Bidoff that does a lot of work into parenting and psychology said there was this point in history particularly for young women where marketing companies realised that they could use um, their vulnerability against them, which was like feeling like they weren't good enough to then have to buy things, right? So if you look at a lot of the marketing campaigns and what we endured back like things are slightly shifting and that kind of behavior is is less okay but if you think about the generation of women now go back 15 years we grew up on a diet of being told that we weren't good enough because that meant we had to buy something to make us better so we have that ingrained in us so that's right like we have literally been wired to believe that we are never good enough Mm. ever And we need something or someone to make us good enough. And when you understand that happened to you, you didn't really have a choice in it, then you can separate yourself and go, actually, that's just a construct. And then Mm. you can just go, I'm not going to believe that. Because fundamentally, we actually are all good enough. It's just a story we tell ourselves in our head. And once you flip the story and you see it for what it is, you pretty much can... You know nearly do anything you can be bothered doing if you just do it for long enough and and really commit but yeah that is a big like it's a really big one for women and there are a whole bunch of reasons why that's there um and yeah it's good yeah. it's interesting to think about yeah. um sabrina this question is for you what are the main challenges you have identified for women in the social innovation space and are there any challenges um, particular to that space that you've seen and the work that you've been doing?
5: Yeah, sure. Um, so let's say, first of all, that we live in a country where the Prime Minister still interrupts women when they talk. So there's definitely problems at all levels in the, in, in the current society, not just in the social innovation space. So I think that, you know, starting a business, starting a social enterprise means taking risks. And if women are not jumping into that risk, it means that there isn't a fertile ground to actually take that risk, right? And that leads me to think, what are the systemic challenges that actually stop or the barriers that should stop women to take those risks and this is particularly important in the social enterprise sector where you know ethical businesses usually takes longer and more time to develop you know than unethical things because everything is filtered through our values and you know those systemic thinking i'm thinking again parental leave you know if countries had more uh, paternity leave where dads would you know share the responsibility women could you know venture and try a project and social enterprises and businesses um, again again, you know, women, uh, because of the salary gap, sometimes they don't have enough, you know, uh, money to begin a business or to invest or to self, uh, uh, you know, sustain themselves while trying that. So I think that especially in the social and ecological sector, this is more difficult because those businesses take a long time to go and develop. They don't usually rush through big capital and uh, you know uh, and they don't scale up as quickly as normal you know profit uh, driven businesses. So I think that reflecting on what are the structural barriers stopping women to taking risks is really important. And, 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 and let's admit that a lot of women I know in, in Brisbane at least, Uh, that, you know, start adventure. venture, they all come from a privileged background with, you know, families or partners, I had a certain point, my partner, you know, very uh, supporting me when I was starting between my master and my PhD. So our challenge is how can we create that ground for people that are not as privileged as us? And how can we lower those barriers so that people can jump and try and and create, you know, the social and ecological sustainable society that we actually need?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sabrina. Holly, this one is for you. Are the challenges and barriers that moved you to found Women in Digital still there? Are there any new ones?
4: Yeah. Um, So I started Women in Digital uh, six years ago for two main reasons. Um, Number one, I was working um, in digital recruitment and I noticed that there were a lot of women that lacked the confidence when they were talking about their career, their salary, um, particularly in comparison to their male counterparts. Um, I had, had a really great mentoring experience. I realized the value of mentoring. And number two, um, I didn't really feel like there were um, the types of events that I wanted to go to focused on um, women and entrepreneurship, for example. Um, now I'd say there's too many events focused on women. Um, it's, you know, there's, there's heaps, which is wonderful because, you know, it provides women with um, so many different forums to connect with like-minded um, individuals, both men and women. Um, attend these events and, you know, are great supporters of um, women's initiatives. Um, I would say that there are probably more women that I speak to that have great confidence at that early stage of their career. So millennials will come through and, you know, be very um, clear about their worth, clear about where they're going and, you know, happy to, um, I guess, put themselves forward for opportunities. Um, But that, you know, that isn't a blanket rule. I think there are still a number of women at all stages of their careers um, that are, you know, ch- I guess challenged by confidence and that mentoring need is still there. I think, um, you know, if I could summarize my conversations with women across the years, uh, 90% would love to have a mentor who could give them some career guidance and show them, um, tell them, you know, how they've kind of walked that path previously. Um, so yeah, it has. some parts have changed, some haven't. New ones, I think I'm more aware of the social challenges that women face Um, You know, which have kind of already been covered, Um, but obviously the pay gap, superannuation, um, the women who retire with um, less superannuation, Um, the paternity, maternity leave um, considerations that you know, as an early twenty-year-old, it wasn't really thinking about. Um, So yeah, we're slowly evolving and adapting to address more and more of those social issues. Thanks, Holly.
2: Anne Marie, this one is for you. From the perspective of a corporate innovator, what barriers female leaders? What barriers do you think female leaders face these days?
3: I think that actually I'm going to answer this from the point of view of the corporate investor, if that's okay. Yeah, but I just no, want to right. pick up on something that um, then Rachel said earlier, and it's really been a thread through the comments, which I'm sort of catching out of the corner of my eye here, um, and and this is this concept of self belief and. You know, I'm a, I'm a scientist by training, so I always like data. Um, and the data says, I'm just going to read this quote from the, uh, a recent uh, study done by Workplace, Gen- the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, that there's a, 10, a 10% increase in women in key management in firms leads to a 5.8% increase in the likelihood of outperformance in the sector across three or more metrics. I think when women are, are feeling um, perhaps insecure, perhaps that, you know, they're not going to achieve the outcomes that, that, that their male counterparts might, they should just look at the evidence because the evidence tells a completely different story. The evidence tells us that when you have diversity, particularly when you have women in your management teams, whether it's as co-founders or members of the, of the executive suite, companies do better. Um, and to me, that's the ultimate argument, you know, you've got evidence there. So, so um, everybody in this room that should take a hit in the arm from that data. Um, but I think, you know, the barriers for women, um, particularly in terms of, of raising capital, um, are, are not only related to gender. And I think, I can't, I can't remember which of my fellow panelists raised the concept of privilege. I think it was Sabrina. You know, I said earlier that, um, only 11 or 12% of venture capital globally goes to uh, teams that have uh, women in the founding team. Um, When you look at women that didn't graduate from the sort of top tier universities like Harvard and Stanford and MIT in the US, the numbers drop significantly. So it is really important to ensure that um, when we're talking about the barriers to entrepreneurship for women, we're also acknowledging that those barriers are far more profound for women that don't have the sort of networks that come out of a a good educational, that's good is not the right word to say, those sorts of educational backgrounds and that we make room for women across all strata of our society to be successful as entrepreneurs. And this means by and large doing things like, you know, opening up our networks to to those women, ensuring that our own unconscious biases don't um, allow us to make judgments about people based on, for example, who introduces us. Um, you know, networks are a wonderful thing, but they can be a powerful detriment if you don't have access to them. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the, the barriers have been spoken about um, by my peers on the panel. Um, but I think let's just look to the evidence and um, and some of those barriers will be blown away.
5: Can I add to so, that? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you, you know, um, Anne-Marie just showed how education is important and Australia is actually going towards a pink recession with 86,000 fewer women enrolled in universities. So, you know, this is a pivotal conversation about, you know, if we're going towards the other direction rather than including and sustaining women into the educational system. So yeah, Australia is going in the wrong direction.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to add this, this is just a little bit of like vulnerability honesty to this conversation. So as a female founder who is a sole female founder um, who has actually done really well, it's taken me a long time to actually admit how well we've done and be able to speak about that. And by the end of this year with everything that I've had going on, really thinking myself about how hard I am on myself in general about what I do, and um, and not fully owning that and going on discovery as to why that is the case. Um, and really like having to go see a psychologist about that and dig into it and realize how much of that is based on those first like uh, five to 10 years of our lives and the roles that we play sometimes as little girls in our families and feeling like it's our job to make sure everyone's happy. It's our job to make sure this, it's our job to make sure that and how that plays out as we get older so what I would encourage because this is the game changer for us to push through this stuff that when you are leading and questioning yourself so much of that is based on a lot of what we've experienced when we were younger that you've got to go there ask some questions and work through that to like flip the story and really own who you are because we're told that we're not allowed to say those things Um, and you have to go back and understand those things to be able to change those stories even as a grown-up. So I'm just putting that in there because it's even hard for me with all that I've done to own that Um, and I'm on that journey and that's been more of a personal journey. I'm actually really good at business. You can just make that happen. That has never been the problem. The problem's always been uh, being able to own that and and. Even though it appears like sometimes people do because they can talk about it, it's in the quiet that is sometimes the biggest problem. So, but there is another side to that. You've got to admit it, you've got to acknowledge it and then you've got to ask yourself why and then keep pushing through. Um, So yes, that's a little comment on that. Um, But women are amazing and some of the best um, staff that I've ever worked with, hands down. So, and part of it is that they don't know it sometimes. And so you got to wake up and realize how good you are. Uh, cause you really are. I know it cause I see you all every day. Um, okay, enough of that. Next, all oh, questions. So this is to everyone on the panel. Um, do you envision any challenges forming in the horizon for women leaders and entrepreneurs with what we're kind of walking into? I'm
4: happy to kick off. Um, I think, you know, for me, I see the world every day being rewritten in code and algorithms and I think you know we just don't have enough women entering technology so if we have got 36 percent of women in STEM as STEM university graduates um, falling down as we get further through our careers so 25 percent in STEM workforce and nine percent in executive leadership so I think that's both a challenge and an opportunity for women as leaders and entrepreneurs, how we get more women into those leadership roles and, and drive more women into those sort of career paths. Um, but it's really concerning because you see those flow on effects of how products and services are being designed and how they don't quite suit you know every single demographic um, You know, there's examples where, you know, even just a product of a uh, bulletproof vest, uh, when they were originally designed, they um, were for a man's body and they were too short once you put it on and you had boobs. And so there's, you know, they would be lifted up and that would create a risk for women to be stabbed or shot in the abdomen. And if you translate that same kind of idea or principle to technology, how women can be excluded um, from the future that's being built. Um, I think that's a real challenge um, and opportunity for for us all to solve together.
2: That question was open to everyone, if anyone else on the panel wants to.
3: Look, I think, Sam, I just might make a brief comment. I think we've all seen the statistics about um, how women in the workforce have been impacted more profoundly by COVID layoffs and are likely to be um, impacted more profoundly as, Um, employment picks up, Sabrina talked earlier about um, the reduction in enrolments of women in um, university degrees. I think these are all clarion bells for us for the future, um, because it's so important that all parts of the ecosystem um, have a balance between um, the genders. Uh, And if we don't, it impacts across the spectrum. Um, Less women in the workforce mean that businesses that target those women are targeting a part of the uh, demographic that's got less disposable income, for example. Um, Less women doing university degrees means fewer people to fill those um, high-value, better-paid technology jobs. Um, So I think these are are really difficult, but there's also tremendous opportunity. We were talking a little bit offline before this session started about how out of um, crisis often emerges um, the best innovations, great inventions, fabulous new companies, and and I think many of those 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 very women that we've been talking about will take this opportunity during this this time to create something and, and if you like to you know create their own adventure um, and hopefully we'll see lots of fabulous successful women-led companies as a consequence of that.
5: Yeah. I might add also to Anne-Marie how women have been impacted in, you know, with COVID in those sectors where, you know, they were working uh, mostly, but um, I was reading this interesting article, I can't remember the title, how women have been the first responded to the pandemic, you know, with nurses and teachers, you know, at the forefront of, you know, homeschooling so you know that shows the strength but obviously with that strength comes responsibility and that responsibility must be shared so that they can flourish beyond you know their uh, uh, responsibility that you know we impose to them because at the end what we want is self-determination and autonomy to explore something different so it shows how we've been impacted as women but also the resilience that we had in keeping up, especially in countries such as Europe or in the US, the system, uh, you know, more or less uh, alive. Yeah, yeah. Hey Rachel, Oh, sorry, you go.
2: I'm going to throw this question your way, Rachel. Um, from an education and university perspective, what do you think could be done to remove barriers for female leaders and entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, so I think um, I guess building women up from the ground up, rather than kind of inserting, you know, money and programs that don't focus on this layer that we're all speaking about here, which is us feeling like we're not confident enough or good enough to come into this space. So a program that UQ has, Lead Hers. I'm super passionate about what we're doing it with Lead Hers, but we're really Lito's is brilliant at analyzing kind of the impactful and negative behaviors we have as women that block our successes. Um, So I think really more programs that bolster women, give them the skills um, which have somehow got lost along the way. um, And you touched on that, Sam, Um, but yeah, just having this bottom up approach really and building women up from there so that we see them going into these programs um, because, you know, you can have, thousands and thousands of dollars um, and funding. But if a woman doesn't feel like she's good enough, she's not going to go there. Um, So yeah, and I strongly believe at UQ we've, um, we're really good at tackling that and we're still going with that. Um, And I would like to see that um, kind of across the board with other universities as well.
5: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I add to Rachel, I was talking about things. Um, I'm from Switzerland originally and our universities are free. And we invest a lot in research, you know, and innovation. So, you know, I think at this moment, especially with the crisis, that is, you know, we're going to see the effects just probably in the next year. so, So we have to be bold about the ideas that we want. And I think that Australia has to rethink you know, the educational system and university must be free so that women and other students as well don't have to do side job, casual jobs, they can actually redirect that energy, that knowledge, that creativity into creating, you know, innovation that would benefit themselves first, but also the country. So I think if we keep, you know, postponing the investment into brains, into creativity and stuff. You know, th- this is at the university level with free university. But if we want to even to push it further, I think that we should have a basic income so that people have, you know, that ground to explore again. Mm.
2: So I'm just going to ask another couple of questions and then we're going to throw it to some of the questions that I have here that some of you sent in. And I might have a quick look on some of the ones that are coming in comments as well um so Anne-Marie what could the private sector do to support women entrepreneurs and to further promote and enhance their work and value
3: I've got a couple of sort of general comments um you know we talk a lot about um programs and initiatives that and they're really important but um I'm lucky enough to be a member of the finance industry's male uh, sorry champions of change program and we've engaged with the original male champions recently and they they said something that was really profound um and yet but very obvious and that's what we need to do away with with what they call um everyday sexism um the way that we use language the way that we make judgments about people's roles flow on into how we treat them you know what they're saying, you know, be careful what you think because it'll become what you say, be careful what you say will become what you do. And if you hold on to those old perspectives about how we talk about um, gender um, and different sorts of jobs and so on, it makes it very difficult. It's a sort of a grassroots approach. Um, But I think one of the really important things that the private sector needs to do is make sure that both men and women are represented in decision-making forums. it's very easy, particularly when there's an all male leadership team, to forget the female perspective. And that flows on if decisions are made around things like um, uh, trialing a new product, being perhaps a, a beta test site for a, a new product that's created by an entrepreneur. Um, if you've got the bias of newness, as you've got the bias of gender alongside the um, issue of newness, that's very difficult. But having a decision making team that's going to Um, being more um, diverse is really important and I think for the investment community um, one of the things that we need to do is ensure as I've said earlier that those um, age-old ways of working and cognitive biases um, don't impact on our investment decisions so again making sure that we have women as well as men in our investment teams and I think one sort of subtle thing that's really important if we think about the comments I made earlier around um, people from the sort of Ivy League type universities getting more funding for their um, their companies, which leads to the ability to create great, greater growth and a whole lot of other outcomes. Um, often it's, it's uh, tempting to give someone that's introduced to you through your network, whether it's your professional network or your school, unfortunately still in parts of Queensland or university network, um, more time, more attention, more merit than someone that cold calls. So I think it's really important that as businesses that might engage with with um, entrepreneurial companies, as businesses that might fund them, that we ensure that we don't uh, rely too much on our network because we'll, by the very nature of doing that, um, discount a whole lot of perhaps um, women and, and other um, uh diverse groups that won't come to us through those old trusted
4: networks. Yeah, yeah. Can I add to that? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one of the things is about inclusivity and making sure that your activities um, and what you're doing in your business um, does allow women to participate. So, you know, for example, late night dinners often, you know, if women have childcare responsibilities, they can't attend those critical networking functions that will then lead to that deal or that opportunity. Um, And I know you're in a bit of a rush, so I'll wrap this up quickly. But I think also, you know, where you're looking at procurement um, and you're looking at engaging with a supplier, making sure that you've got a diverse um, range of businesses to choose from. I know, you know, I come across it um, all the time. Um, I see some of the, you know, the clients that we work with, I have to work twice as hard because I'm not in the boys club to get those um, business opportunities. So, um, if, you know, for companies or individuals who are really keen to build diversity um, and support female entrepreneurs and leaders um, to, you know, consider all opportunities, not just um, those, like Anne-Marie said, um, that come to you through your network.
2: Awesome. Thanks, ladies. So I feel like there's been a bit of a theme of some of the questions I've seen and then some of the things that I'm reading here, which is a big one. I think when you're attempting to do things that you've never done before, um, which is about like, uh, so I'm throwing this out to everybody on the panel, like how do you persevere through tough times? Like give an example of a pain point in your career and how you tackled that situation. So there's that, and then up here, you know, how do you keep yourself going when facing negative setbacks? Um, yeah, how do you get back into projects after you lose motivation? So that's just to give you, there's a bit of a theme here. What do you do when it gets really hard? And how do you keep going?
1: Um, I can start here. I, I think I learned from a young age that the only way is forward. Um, I had a rough childhood. My dad left quite young. Um, and there was a lot of events around that that were really hard for me, but they turned me into a better person as a result. So I think from tough times you only learn more about yourself and you only become more resilient and um, so I'm grateful for all the rough that I've had in my life and all the rough that I'll have you know coming
5: up. Yeah, I think um, for myself because I'm doing a PhD full-time and uh, tool library and a few other things I think when you actually you know design your life around a bigger purpose you know when you're Business or your social enterprise or your project or your studies fits a broader social. An environmental framework. I think that um, we don't have the privilege <laughs> to be tired, especially Hollywood saying, you know, millennials, which I am, uh, have all this great energy and everything. Well, it, it's true, but I also feel it's more that we already inherited a sick planet. So it's more a responsibility. I always say, you know, if I could just go to festivals and dance and <laughs> do something else than burning out of work, I'd rather do it, right? But I think obviously we translated that in passion and fight, but it's actually a bigger responsibility that uh, the only thing we can do, especially when we can, because we have that privilege, is to fight for those social environmental outcomes through our businesses, through our studies, or through, you know, supporting other women in this case that they are doing it.
2: Holy, when it gets hard.
4: Um, this is a tough one. I would say I definitely lean on the peers around me. Um, I definitely have a support network and have a good cry, have a couple of wines, um, and then wake up the day and move the next day and move on, to be honest. Um, But that's, you know, only possible with the right support um, from both men and women around me. Um, so I would definitely agree that coming back to your core purpose and your, you know, long-term goals um, is is another way in which you know I stay resilient um, despite challenges. Um, I guess at the start of COVID, that was a terrifying time for all, and for me, I you know thought back to other um, challenging times in my life and realize that you can either um, look at something as an opportunity or a challenge um, and you can stand still or you can sort of, I hate the word pivot, but ultimately pivot and look at, you know, how you can adapt. Um, So I guess ever the optimist looking at um, what else, um, how you can make kind of lemonade out of lemons.
2: Mm. What about you Anne-Marie?
3: I think sort of continuing on the theme of coming back to your purpose, I think, and I, I, I could talk for a half an hour about all the challenges that I've had professionally. Um, I think it comes back to, you know, being a good human. Um, if, you can, if you can, resilience really sort of is uh, created on a foundation of belief in doing the right thing, belief that you're making a positive contribution, that um, you're doing no harm, I think, as well as all of the other things that uh, everybody else has spoken about here. Um, but in the end, if you, if you do what feels right to you, um, that sort of aligns with your values, it's amazing how much sort of strength that you can bring um, under duress. Um, and I think the other thing is, is, and this is something that women are historically very good at, is just sheer hard work, you know, digging in, being persistent, being consistent, um, tapping the people around you, um, beating the pavement. I mean, one of the most recent... Uh, 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 example that I can give is when we when we launched our first venture capital fund it was at the height of the GFC our, our foundation investors fell away um, and Michelle Paul and I just pounded the pavements of Sydney Melbourne and Brisbane to unlock capital from a new source and it was just that sheer dogged persistence as well as having great uh, people around us and belief in what we were doing that got us through.
5: Yeah that's a great story. Yeah. Holly said something important of you know uh, having that Support group of family and friends around around us, and there was a question about people that uh, you know, international students or people that come in a country. So I moved to Australia I was twenty two, and I moved here alone, so I didn't know anyone around me. And 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 I feel that when we don't have actually you know our closest friends or family, it's really important to have those people that if they admire you, if they support your work, they actually show it to you. You know, well through UQ Venture, you know. I, I, has been supported and stuff but not having you know that closest group of people when you come in a country and you put yourself in those risky positions can be also you know a kind of destabilizing situation it hasn't been for me because that people around but to the international people that they were asking for that i think you know if you can support and be supported that that is definitely important
2: yeah absolutely And that will be our last question but just to add to that a little bit from the social and emotional well-being point of view this is what we do don't be afraid to feel the feelings that's actually how you get to the other side of things so when things go really bad what we tend to do is go this feels really bad and i want to try and avoid that actually the process of allowing yourself just to feel really sad about whatever just unfolded and be okay in that sadness is actually the quickest way to get to the other side of it to then move through And then as I would say, get really curious. So I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. So I kind of see curiosity as the lens to everything and kind of move forward with that as a perspective. And what I absolutely know for certain, certainly in my journey over the last little while, it's those hardest moments. It's the most challenging times where I have learned the most that has really shaped a capacity that I never knew was there You don't get that capacity from easy, you get that capacity from hard and you get that sense of, wow, we are like powerful people when hard stuff happens and you push through and you do it anyway. And that is like this crazy thing that bubbles up in you that realizes, wow, like we are unstoppable. And you only get to realize that when you push through the hard get to the other side of it and start to realize the hard is actually not so hard. And then you just keep doing lots of stuff and those barriers start to kind of go away but you've got to to push through that to kind of have that realization. Um, So see it as an opportunity for something amazing that you're gonna experience on the other side rather than just something really bad that just happened. Um, So I'm gonna hand back over to Dr. Jessica Gallagher to kind of wind up what has been a really great hour. Um, Yeah,
0: Thanks, Sam. Uh, Your energy is absolutely contagious, and you have facilitated an amazing, thought-provoking discussion this afternoon, so I know that we could go on for hours and hours. Um, So just a few closing remarks. First of all, I want to give a huge thanks to our four panellists, Anne-Marie, Sabrina, Rachel, and Holly. You are incredible, and in Sam' ways, I honestly believe that you are completely unstoppable, so we can't wait to see all of the amazing things that you'll continue to do. I also wanted to say thanks to the SheEO community for supporting this event. Uh, the SHIO Australia Summit was this week um, and we've been listed as one of the fringe events um, for the summit. And so I know that we have a number of activators and ventures that are with us today. For those of you who are unfamiliar with CEO, Google it, take a look. Uh, they're creating an amazing community that's focused on the world's uh, to-do list. And so well worth a, um, a look. Women's Entrepreneurship Day provides a great opportunity to come together to speak openly about our experiences and what is needed to bring about systemic change. In doing so, we empower and uplift not only women, but our broader community. So I'd really like to thank our panel for sharing good journeys with us, for being so open um, to the participants for your fantastic comments and questions. There are a lot of really valuable links that are in the chat, so we'll capture that. Um, And as part of the post event communications, we'll make sure that we share that with all of you because I think that there are some important um, conversations that started as a part of this event today that that we should continue to discuss as a group. We heard about how our panelists are all pushing the boundaries and shaping the business landscape for women and men today. And while Women's Entrepreneurship Day is an important day each year, every day provides an opportunity to celebrate, support and empower women. UQ is committed to supporting the career progression of women and at Ventures, we're doing our part in supporting our female identifying community to become innovative, confident leaders that thrive in their professional aspirations. We're making progress in improving diversity across all of our entrepreneurial activities. And we're really proud to see the participation rates in leaders. Uh, And hopefully that will just continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, This is not just an issue for one day, and it's not just an issue for women. As a community, we must level the playing field for all underrepresented groups. I trust that today's discussion has set up a solid foundation to start new dialogues and the actions that are needed to make the entrepreneurial ecosystems more inclusive. I know that our panelists are looking forward to connecting with some of our students later this afternoon um, and will be available to those of you who are able to join us in person for that component for further conversations. It's fair to say that much can be achieved from sharing our stories. So I thank each and every one of you for making time to join us today to celebrate women's entrepreneurship and to join us as we continue to work together to bring about the change that we all so so hopefully and optimistically I want to see. We hope to see you all again. Thank you so much, Sam.